Hello, it is Sunday, March 7th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is the UFC 259 post-fight wrap-up edition of the daily, come on now, MMA podcast. So I got all my notes here, and I'm going to stick to the fights today, today, and tomorrow I am going to do my best to address all the craziness and zaniness and everything that went on outside of the fights at UFC 259. And there was a lot. There was a lot. It was a uh, practically um, a this fight card has everything kind of feel. And I will, like I said, I'll address that tomorrow, try and get uh, my shit together on that so I can do a complete job. So right now we're just going to go, I'm just going to go over the fights and uh, I'm probably going to hit almost every one because even though it was a 15-fight card, it went incredibly quick, I thought, for the amount of uh, fights that were on it and th- how the fights went. It was not a long drag drag for someone who had to cover it. I don't know how if you were just watching it, if it would drag, but it felt to me like it went pretty quick just because almost all the fights were well worth watching and had some memorable moments in them and even the ones that didn't have memorable moments in them there was something crazy uh, associated with with those probably so yeah it was a full and fun and interesting night of fights so let's go over them first up trevin jones and mario batista this was a really good fight batista had the first round and then jones had that shovel hook that just ended the night for for Batista, and there was no argument about the stoppage. He just kind of, Batista just laid there and casually crossed his leg over his knee and waited for the doctor to come in. He, uh, no argument. But it was a good fight, and Batista, that was one of those, just got caught. He, I, thought, I think Batista won the first round, but Jones you know, made a statement with that, with that knockout, just blasted him, so... Good for him on that. Eurosh um, uh, Medic, um, I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, and Alain Cruz, this was a good performance by Medic. Um, he just, he shut him out, 55-0 on the strikes, and uh, I think a lot of those strikes came after the fight could have been stopped by Mark Smith. I don't think that Cruz was intelligently defending himself. He was more or less just moving and not putting up a defense. So I think he absorbed far too many strikes, but I can see why someone would say he was moving, so we're going to let it go on. I don't like that, but I'm really uh, not that important, so no one's going to listen to me. But uh, Medic, great, great performance. He was pretty hyped up about it. He had a lot of hype going in from the uh, the commentators. Really seemed to focus on him and like what they saw in his, I think, Dana White Contender Series fight. And they also like what they saw in his first round TKO win over Cruz. Uh, Amanda Lemos and Livia Renata Souza. Souza was almost a victim of a shutout as well. The strikes were 30 to 1. And... Uh, yeah, she had uh, Souza had nothing for Lamosh on the mat, nothing at all. 
the fight probably got stopped earlier than some people would have liked, but this was one of those stoppages uh, from Jason Herzog that might have been due to the fact that he just did not like what he was seeing and he didn't see that it was going to get any better. And so he stopped it, which, I'd like I've said hundreds of times, I'd rather have what many would consider an early stoppage than a late stoppage. And this one maybe maybe could, could be considered early, but I don't think so. So good good performance by Lamosh and uh, Souza. Souza needs to work on her striking, offensive and defensive striking game because it was not there. Sean Brady and Jake Matthews, good good matchup just to see where everybody stands. And Sean Brady, Sean Brady from uh, Philly, obviously, if you heard him speak, and that's just from someone who grew up in Pennsylvania, so I know a Philly accent. So uh, Brady had just, uh, in the intro to the fight, he, uh, he trains with Paul Felder, and there was a remark from one of the commentators that Felder said that Brady is the strongest fighter he's ever trained with, and uh, that performance, I'd be hard-pressed to say that Felder was lying. His ground game was just suffocating, and better all around was that he was always trying to get into a better position. He didn't just rest on the ground. He uses his strikes. He moved. He tried to pass guard. He tried to better his position, and he never panicked during that whole time. He waited for his spots, and he didn't try and force his spots either. So he looked pretty mature for someone that hasn't had that uh, much high-level fighting. I think he's become a guy in the in the welterweight division, and I think he needs a, uh, a good matchup inside the top 15 for sure. So Sean Brady, someone to, to really keep an eye on. Um, couldn't, couldn't say anything more that, about that performance other than it was a really dominant ground performance from Sean Brady. Uh, Kennedy, I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name, and Carlos Olberg. This one fight of the night, and... I guess I was it entertaining? Uh, absolutely. Was there any defense? Not really. And uh, did Alberg belong in the UFC after just going three and zero? I think before he got signed, probably not. It was. I wouldn't consider this a UFC level fight, as we have as we used to consider UFC level. But nowadays we have uh, several fighters on the roster that probably. Five ten years ago, wouldn't even have got a look at. So, this was one of those fights. I, I mean, if you like the just bleed aspect and all offense, no defense. Okay, yeah, wildly entertaining, but technically terrible fight. So, yeah, I didn't like it. Like it, it wasn't hard to watch because it was entertaining. But from a technical standpoint, pretty difficult to. Uh, grasp what Alberg was trying to do with his defense, which was get hit in the face and don't move his head offline. So I don't think Alberg should be in the UFC right now, but he is, so we'll see what happens. But he'll at least be entertaining. Tim Elliott and Jordan Espinoza. The weird part of this fight was the moments that were caught on the microphone and camera where Elliott was calling Espinoza a woman beater. Now there's some back and forth on that online between 
Elliott, who spoke about it at the post-fight press conference, and Espinosa's team. And I'm not going to say anything more about that today because, like I said, I'm focusing on the fights. I will say, the only thing I will say is that the accusations are out there now. There seems to be some basis for the accusations, judging from something that came up on uh, on Sherdog, I think it was. You can check that out. A Bloody Elbow has something on it, so just try and look that up. It's about Espinosa and Elliot, and, and you can see what facts or accusations are floating around. And I would say that the UFC does need to, at the very least, look into this. Now, if there's not a police report, I don't really care because it doesn't sound good what was stated. But again, without the report, it's kind of a he said, she said thing. And I would hope the UFC takes it seriously at the very least and investigates it. I do not think that's going to happen. Anyway, back to the fight. Elliot, who I thought was on his job was on the line, um, looked very good in this fight. He dominated it. He Seemed kind of disappointed that he didn't get the finish. He fought emotionally because of what he had heard about Espinosa and the accusations he threw out there inside the cage, but that did not prevent him from just dominating this fight. So now Elliot looked very good, and he has to carry that same kind of energy into his next fight because he's still kind of a guy who needs to keep moving forward if he wants to stay with the UFC. He's not someone the UFC is going to keep around just to keep around. Um, Kai Kara France looked uh, looked like he was going to lose that fight against uh, Bontorin, but um, he spent the majority of the first round hand fighting on the mat and trying not to get choked, trying to relieve the pressure of a pretty tight body lock. And when he got to his feet, at the end of the, at the end of, near the end of the first round, he was, uh, let's say he was pissed uh, because he just started uh, slanging and he uh, knocked out uh, Bonitrin with uh, just a nasty, nasty set of punches. Left him, uh, left him laying there and celebrated when, and Herb Dean didn't really wave the fight off. And I'll talk about this a little more tomorrow. It was an awkward situation that almost got Bonitrin blasted again as Kara France was walking around the octagon. But great, great, great comeback performance from Kai Kara France keeps him kind of in the mix. Uh, Askar Askarov dominated Joseph Benavidez and will probably set him up for a possible title fight if the UFC can kind of ignore the fact that he missed weight and the odds of that are pretty high because they ignored the fact that the guy who is champion right now missed weight before he won the title. So good chance that they'll ignore that and just get some reassurances maybe that Askarov can make the weight and he'll probably end up, I would think, fighting the winner of Figueredo and Moreno that's coming up. But... Uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about Benavides. There was three guys on the card that I thought their jobs were on the line. It was Cruz, Benavides, and Elliot. Elliot obviously saved his job. Cruz, I'll talk about in a bit, but he also saved his job. Benavides, I think, needs to. I mean, he's fighting in the flyweight division. He's he doesn't really have. He's competitive, but he's not someone that the UFC is going to keep want to keep around just to be competitive, and. He doesn't have a clear path back to the title. Uh, 
And so I think Benavides is probably not long for the UFC, um, and he'll either get released or maybe ask for his release and go somewhere else where if he wants to continue fighting, where he can be a little more competitive and maybe win a title. But that is not in the cards for him in the UFC right now. So with the releases of Overeem and Dos Santos, I think the writing is on the wall for someone like Joseph Benavides. Kyler Phillips and Song Yidong, this had some weirdness during the fight where they changed Yidong's name on the bottom third, which was strange in the middle of a fight. And again, that'll be on tomorrow. Uh, exciting fight, very exciting fight. I don't know how Yidong has a, a, a chin on him, and Phillips tested it, tested it a lot. So Phillips, I'm gonna watch some. Uh, I'm gonna watch some Kyler Phillips fights. He was an exciting striker, and he great kicks and he entertaining, and looks like he can do some do some uh, damage in the bantamweight division. Dominic Cruz, Casey Kenny, Cruz looked different, and I don't know. And I asked this on Twitter during the fight. And I, I heard Sean Sheehan comment on it, and he had the same kind of take I had, is that Cruz was noticeably not moving as much as he usually does. And I kind of thought that was intentional to keep his, maybe to keep his cardio up or maybe to throw off his opponents because in the past he was always moving. And so with that, maybe someone could get a better beat on him because if you can judge his movement by watching tape of him, maybe you get a better beat on what he's going to do with his awkward movement. He did not use that awkward movement when he was at distance. He still used it to, to enter, and I think that made it more effective because he entered and had an awkward, awkward angle, and it really left Kenny not being able to land with his hands for most of the fight. Yes, he was doing a great job, kicking the legs but the counters with the with his hands that little movement starting off square and then throwing a little shimmy in there seemed effective now it seems dangerous as well because he's Cruz is spending more time flat-footed in front of his opponent but it worked and I don't know how long it's gonna work but uh, if Dominic Cruz wants to keep fighting at Bantamweight wants to keep fighting he's going to most likely be allowed to because he beat uh, he beat Kenny, and so that's a win, and he keeps moving. I don't know what his plans are because he used his time on the mic to call out uh, the monster representative, monster energy drink representative. So we'll see where that goes. And again, that's something I'll talk about a little bit more tomorrow. Alexander Rakic and Thiago Santos was a fight everyone was kind of a little hyped over, thinking that maybe there'd be an action. There wasn't. Uh, Rakic won. Santos didn't really throw any of those big strikes he's known for. I would have thought that this fight was going to be exciting because they're top five light heavyweights. And so you would think that they want to make a statement with the belt being up for grabs at the top of the card. They did not make a statement. If I was to pick one of the slower-moving fights on the card, this would be at the top of that list. While I didn't like the the um, fight I mentioned, that one fight of the night, this one was was technical but not exciting. So 
given the given the choice, I would have watched the Albrook fight and the Kennedy and Carlos Albrook fight. But yeah, this one was a was a disappointment of of fifteen fights. If there was a disappointment, it was definitely this one. Next fight, which was not a disappointment, was Islam Makachev and Drew Dober. Makachev is uh, Habib Nurmagomedov's hand selected fighter who to replace him at the top of the lightweight pecking order and he hasn't really fought top level competition as of yet dober was his probably his biggest fight and if you were going to give him a grade on this you'd give him an a i think because he was just dominant very good um on the ground not as good maybe or in the style of habib but good enough to not even get a much of a fight out of Dober on the mat. And in his post-fight interview, he said he knew Dober was a good striker, so he took what I think he said the easy way, which was take him down, hold him down, tap him out, which is exactly what happened. He took him down, held him down, and then he tapped him out. Uh, and once it was on the mat, Dober was kind of useless. He was, he, and, and that's not a knock on Dober. That's a tip of the cap to Makachev. So he's Habib Nurmagomedov's guy. I would expect him to end up being the UFC's guy. And next fight should be a test. Uh, Aljamain Sterling and Petr Jan. This was uh, a weird fight. Sterling started out very fast and could not keep up his pace. And then we had Jan blast him with that clearly illegal knee. I think the right call was made to wave the fight off. I think the call took a bit too long. I think Sterling should have gone right to the hospital after getting hit like that. He didn't, and I'm not happy about that. I think Sterling did the right thing by not continuing because if he would have continued... He was compromised, and he might have been finished. To ask someone to choose between, and this is why this should be taken out of the fighter's hand in a case like this, the, the doctors and the referees should say, no, you can't continue because you're compromised, not say, do you want to continue? Because a fighter's going to, 99% of the time, a fighter's going to say, yeah, I want to continue because I'm a fighter. I want to fight. So take that out of the hands of the, of the, of the fighter. And that was done, but it took too, too long for, for, for that to happen in this case. And so I think Jan, uh, Sterling did the right thing by by opting not to force them to allow him to continue because had he continued, he probably would have got um, beat up badly just because of his compromised situation. I think he did the right thing. I think uh, the rules are the rules, so he gets the belt, but... You you almost you have to guarantee a rematch just because of how the fight ended. I don't know why Jan did this. I know we have tape of one of his coaches kind of cheering on, cheering him on after he blasts Sterling with a knee, and another one looking shocked. So I'm not sure if one coach was giving him other information and the other one was giving him the correct information to not throw the knee and just punch. Which we could hear that because I think that part was in English. So I don't know all what happened there, but it happened and the right call was made. And anyone saying that they would have fought on in that situation, I think is a little silly because why, why? 
you're you're not going to impress anybody. You're not going to get um, bonus points if you make it through the fight and lose in a compromised situation. Maybe you get a pat on the back, but you don't get any extra money, and you're not going to get an, a rematch. And and so Sterling did, and the the referee and the doctor did the right thing in this case. And anyone says different just needs to shut up. Joe Rogan made some, I thought was stupid remarks during all this, and I will again cover that tomorrow. A lot to cover tomorrow, huh? Amanda Nunes did what she was expected to do, and that was run through Megan Anderson. It was odd to hear that the 90% of the money on this fight was on Anderson, and the, I think the range of the bets were from a dollar to a thousand dollars. So I don't know if it was just the odds that attracted those bets, but they uh, whoever put money on Anderson lost. I'm not sure if I would have bet on Nunes because she was just such a big favorite. It, the, the value wasn't there. I'm not sure what the value was on uh, prop bets as in stoppage and stoppage, stoppage method and round, but... If I was going to put money on this fight, that's the route I would have taken. And I think I probably would have taken a knockout in the first three, but submission in the first one is what happened here. Jan Blockowitz and Israel Adesanya, I enjoyed the fight. It was tense. It, it, it looked like it could have went either way for the majority of it. And Blockowitz was biting on the feints all the time, but there weren't really any follow-ups from... from um, Adesanya during that, and so the heavier damage and the more damage done was by Blockwitz, and he won. I'm sorry, he retained his title. Adesanya took it in stride, said, you know, he tried to, uh, he dared to be great, and he failed, and he'll be back at light heavyweight sometime, and that's the right view to take. I think he took a big chance. I don't know how many fighters in his position would have done that, move up in the, in the, 20 pounds, not really put on the weight, just fight kind of at a walk-around weight. And more importantly, put a 20-0 record on the line. I don't think there's a lot of fighters that would, would have done that. One, because of the jump up in weights. And two, because the perfect record was on the line. And so Adesanya did both of those things. I don't think he should be criticized. I think he should be commended. Um, and... The judging on this fight was a topic of USC President Dana White, and he was out of line on that because it sounded like he doesn't even know what the judging criteria is right now. And again, that is something I will talk about tomorrow. So that is the coverage of the fights. I thought it was an excellent card, and some of that reason for that was for the stuff that was going on outside of the octagon, octagon but a lot more of it was because of what was going on inside the octagon. Um, such a, a fantastic fight card. I think only one quote-unquote stinker, and that would be the Rakic and Santos fight. But all in all, for 15 fights, UFC 259 was a overwhelming success. Probably best fight card of the year. Um, and despite how the Jan Sterling fight ended, I think it's going to be tough to top that card. Uh, especially, I don't think any prelims touch this this event because... They were all really good fights, except for the fight of the night was a, an exciting fight, but not a technical fight. So let's just say it was a good fight as well. So UFC 259, great fight card, memorable fight card. 
And uh, we'll see what how it all shakes out after that. And until tomorrow, where I'll have more to say about UFC 259, stay safe. Stay safe.